passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Hello everybody, this is Waiting here with another free sample from the Post Wrestling Cafe. This is the Double Shot, where we've been covering this season of Dark Side of the Ring every Wednesday after Rewind to Dynamite. This weekend, reviews of ROH, Death Before Dishonor, AEW Collision, and continued bonus coverage after every single G1 Climax 33 event. Your subscription comes with the custom RSS that you can enter into your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts. $6 gets you through the door. PostWrestlingCafe.com We're back. It's time for the double shot. John Pollock waiting. Tonight, we are chatting about Abdul the Butcher, Legacy of Blood. Mm-hmm. A lot of blood in this episode. Uh, is it called Legacy of Blood? Wow, what a cool name. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, Effective. That's what they went with. So this was an episode that I think everyone was kind of curious to see how they would cover this episode. Abdullah the Butcher, he is like legitimately like one of the biggest foreign stars in the history of Japan. He's one of the larger stars of, you know decades in professional wrestling and one of the rare instances of someone who had a you know a huge huge career without ever working in the world wrestling federation but had you know in japan in puerto rico and throughout the u.s he was a massive name in montreal and i think that aspect in terms of if you were coming into this with a career retrospective that's not what this was going to be and they had to essentially jump into you know highlights of certain things and like did you feel that got across way like were you i would have loved to have seen more of like the japanese stuff but again we're running into this the time that they have and they were going to spend the majority of it all on the devin nicholson stuff that became pretty much the second half of this episode yeah you're suggesting whether or not his stature and his career came across like properly in in the first half of this is that what you're suggesting? Yeah. Did, did did you feel that it was, you know, did, do you feel they got across the, you know, the the size of career this guy had? It was, I thought they did a good job of positioning him as this, like, if you have never seen Abdul the Butcher, of getting him across as this, this maniacal heel that was, you know, frightening to an audience and, and drew very well. 
I, I, I would say the answer is yes. You know, just simply, mm, I think, you know, through um, having somebody like Mick Foley speak about his influence, you know, showing his career in Japan and, and being a, a, like an a- animated character, um, like the influence, I think, was pretty evident. Um, I get the sense, John, like, you know, maybe we're about to talk about, and I think a lot of the um, small amounts of feedback I've seen coming out of the show was maybe criticism of how much they should have covered the Devin Nicholson story. Um, in, and, in what sense? I, I haven't uh, sought out any feedback. What, or, what has been uh, like the complaint? I think maybe some people just feeling like giving Devin Nicholson a platform um, turned a lot of people off. Mm-hmm. Um, that's again, I didn't see every single piece of feedback coming off of it to that. I would say, um, I don't, I don't think you can tell. I think there would be more of a criticism if you didn't bring that aspect. Agreed. Up. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, this show is called the dark side of the ring. It's not a any biography. We are here to talk about the controversies and sort of like, you know, the unpleasant, um, sides attached to the to figures. And uh, like, I, w- I wouldn't say Devin Nicholson came off as this, um, sympathetic figure either. Like they certainly put him into, a position where I, I didn't think either guy came across too well in the, in this episode between Abdullah mm-hmm. and Devin Nicholson. I think we should start there and, and talk about some of the Devin Nicholson stuff. Cause it was so heavy on that aspect, as I said, for probably the second half of this. And for those that are unfamiliar, Devin Nicholson is a Canadian pro wrestler who also delved into, in, into amateur wrestling um, pretty significantly in the country as well. And as they positioned it here was someone that got very close with Abdullah and they worked a lot of matches together. And then in 2009, Devin Nicholson was going to get a developmental deal from WWE. And when they did the medical check on him, like that has happened to some other performers, he got flagged and they found that he had hepatitis C. And when going back, he was also at the, around the same time, there was a documentary team following him around and they had footage of one of the matches with Abdullah, where Abdullah uses the blade on himself and then uses it on Devin Nicholson. So it's a dirty blade that he uses to cut open Ab- uh, Abdullah and the, uh, Devin Nicholson. Sorry, to cut open Devin Nicholson with. And he concludes that that's probably how it happened. And it led to a major lawsuit by Devin Nicholson. And he ultimately won the case and was. He was awarded $2.3 million in damages, and they did have to um, test Abdullah's blood, and he did come back with, like, a a rare form of hepatitis C. The same rare form that Devin Nicholson. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's certainly backed up. Like, this is probably the cause of why you ended up with hepatitis C, and thus he didn't get his contract offer from WWE, and Devin Nicholson states that he was never – he's never received a penny from Abdullah, and – you know, harbors a ton of resentment against Abdullah. Now, Devin Nicholson is hardly this this character that is going to elicit a great degree of sympathy from people because he has been involved in a lot of situations where um, he's taken advantage of people in the ring. And I would say most famously is the incident from 2021 that they they showed on this piece where it's they point out like the the irony of him taking liberties with this referee on a show in Texas where he ends up stabbing this referee. And I mean, they show with, with, with a spike. So, so he, the, the, I guess the, 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 what he was supposed to do was just draw blood using this blunt object or whatever object it was. And it ended up like being much worse than 
what it was they terrible. And we, we talked about this when it happened. It was uh, just a terrible, terrible incident. And mm. and I didn't think Devin Nicholson came off well in his defense of it on this. Like his his reasoning was that it the communication wasn't good and they had no medical staff there. Like, well, they shouldn't have needed medical staff, first of all, for a cooperative angle um, right. where you ended up going way further than whatever was agreed upon. And uh, they, they had clips here of like Lance Storm, just like, why is this guy not arrested for assault, essentially? So mm-hmm. I think it was very important to have that aspect in it, because if they had not included that, I think this would have been quite the um, whitewashing of Devin Nicholson to not bring up um, that aspect. And, you know, there's there, there's a lot you can say about Devin Nicholson, but he is he is not someone that is going to be uh, painted as a victim for for most people. Mm-hmm. And on the uh, Abdullah side of things, uh, we at least hear perhaps his, uh, his defense in in that it, basically he lost his trial because he never went to court because he claims he never opened the letters because he can't read can't or read. write is what he yeah. stated. And earlier stating he he dropped out of school in second grade. And then this part's interesting because they go to Abdullah's contemporaries and there was definitely a degree of skepticism among those that, I mean, Mick Foley was really struggling. Like he did not want to, but he's like, I remember going to restaurants and he had no problem reading the menu. And you had Hugo Savinovich. Who was Foley, Foley was almost like trying to, you could tell the discomfort in Mick Foley and trying to He was to very uncomfortable. Because he did like on the one hand, okay, do I lie or do I potentially implicate my friend you know and, and former colleague here and he almost tried to frame like he told the truth his truth and, and that's that this is news to me he was surprised because he was on the road and abdullah could read menus and almost seemed to frame it as if that's the case well then um he and hugo like they both tried to frame it as like like wow this person overcame you know like this sort of reading disability and hugo uh, was, able- was just he wow. took, took it another step yeah if that's the case <laughs> Then this second grade teacher needs a medal for what they were able to do. That's incredible. That's just incredible. Like, like let's let's all like not shy away from the backdrop here that like Abdullah the Butcher is famously like the hustler of all hustlers. And right. no one knows this more than the people that were closest to him. So when they're hearing this story, oh, he couldn't read or write. I think naturally there is a skepticism among these people that traveled on the road with him. And I think it makes it very hard for the viewer to have a level of sympathy for Abdullah here when the people that were closest to him on the road, I mean, they saw this guy in action. And I mean, even one of the one of the family members just mentioned his sister. He was always a hustler talking about him from from a kid. And sister did confirm or sister did say that it's true. He can't read or 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 write. She did. The family. We we should go over like beyond uh, of the family members. They had his sister, um, his caregiver, and then his brother, Ralph, who how this guy didn't end up as his manager on the road is beyond me because this dude was a character if there's ever been one i mean he was hyping up his brother and just like this yeah. guy had the gift of gab this guy's interviews were interesting because like it's it kind of seemed like i don't know if he was exactly aware of like dark what dark side of the ring was nor like i think the level of um understanding of the professional wrestling business that like certainly the producers and definitely i would say the audience had like he was almost speaking as if like did you know wrestling is fake? Like, you know, that that's real blood. That, like what was sort the of like the side. answer. Yeah. Yeah. You would think the title would be enough of a, 
uh, a tip off. I mean, I, I get that not everybody would be watching Dark Side of the Ring, but um, he was a character. Yes, yes, I'd agree with that. So, I mean, how did how did you feel this this portion w- w- was handled and kind of the coverage of both Devin Nicholson and mm-hmm. Abdullah the Butcher in these two instances? So, I think you know if you're going to be presenting the story, I think the, the, what we'd ex- expect from at this point, what I consider to be very much a journalistic source in Dark Side of the Ring, is to present both sides of the story and to you know, let the audience really kind of make up their own minds. And I feel like they did the best they could with, Mm -hmm. with that. You know, they presented Abdullah's argument. They present, well, they first presented Devin Nicholson's argument. Then they presented Abdullah's argument. um, And then they had other people close to them weigh in on it. They question, you know, like by interviewing and asking people like McFoley and Hiko, is it true that he couldn't read? They're probing and they're trying to see if like, you know, this is bullshit or or if this is reality. In the end, we're, I don't, you know, we're not going to get a straight answer, of course. No, um, but it's up and, to and the it's, audience. And, it, to and it gets it, like it's it's complicated because I can certainly see people watching this that do not have time to hear Devin Nicholson's side. That said, um, he was absolutely wronged by what Abdullah did, and it's there with like video mm, evidence. This is also a gray area too, because what laws are there in place when it comes to? leading in professional wrestling using a razor blade to cut your own head and allowing your part your uh, opponent slash you know colleague to cut you over the head i mean there are no laws for these things john you know um to somebody who doesn't make it right like what of course not that's Uh, what i'm stating here i'm not stating stating like this is a law that was like necessarily codified that he is breaking um but a but, court did find him to in fact be in the right i would suggest like most of what happens in a professional wrestling ring is is probably pretty like foreign to you know uh, uh um look like the canadian court of law and is there that mutual under like because tony atlas was in defense of abdullah tony atlas says well you know what you're signing up for you let the guy cut you because you you're afraid of doing it yourself. And um but did he agree that you're going to cut yourself first and then uh and what is your awareness of your hepatitis that you have? That that's another area. Like that's that, that completely makes very reckless. If you're a yes. duel of the butcher that is yes. bleeding in rings in every match mm-hmm. and you've got hepatitis, that is abs- like I don't know how you defend that. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> Why would you let somebody bleed on you to begin with for your profession is is going to be my argument. Okay, no. but then we have to bring that up every single time we see blood because every – like there I is- think anytime there's blood in professional wrestling, it should come with a blood test. John Moxley, I hope he's getting tested every single week like the same way like, you know, porn stars are. You know, like – like. Because if you're going to spread fluid to, towards your, your your partners and also like your, your the audience and your colleagues, like – you have to be responsible, and I have to hope that that type of like precaution. You think June is... Kasai is getting regular blood testing? I hope so. I think this should be standard, don't you? Like, I think a lot of things should be standard in pro wrestling that are not. Yeah, and and that's wrong, and that deserves they don't to have be health called care. upon. Like, yeah, sure, I, I, I think that's all a... wrong. This is all to say, John. It's hard. I could see both sides. Is all I'm saying. You know. I could I could see like you know Devin Nicholson being pissed off that he got hepatitis B allegedly we we don't know because Adula claims that he got it from Devin Nicholson so the, we've never seen seen this in court so it's never been proven either way but I could see why he'd be pissed off and I can also see why Tony Atlas would argue this guy knew knew what he was signing up for 
it's a complicated matter. Um, but yeah, maybe to some, it's not that complicated. Does this change your attitude towards blood at all? Because it's something that we always bring up. And I think it became a real topic of those that uh, followed Nigel McGuinness. And that was his big plea in his documentary that he did. This was the non-WWE documentary that he did. And just stated, like, he was not going to participate in any rings that earlier matches in the night had blood and was not going to risk that. And it's, I think, a perfectly logical question to have when um, we're not aware of any, like, protocols. And, I mean, is it, on, on the one side, is it is it an alarmist viewpoint when we see so much blood? And yet, this Abdullah the Butcher, Devin Nicholson story, it's it's not like this is common. It's not like this happens to any degree of regularity. Um, mm-hmm. But on the other hand, like it's like, can you guarantee that this couldn't be a, a problem? That well, that we know Devin has. Nicholson has has hepatitis or had or has had, I guess, because he got had, it cured. Yeah, he did go through some kind of experimental treatment and right. apparently is. Well, but Negative we know we know he had it, and we know Nigel had it because they were both tested as a part of their WWE, you know, entries. Um, and the fact that they didn't know until that point suggests that it probably didn't exist in any other company until they got to the WWE. I don't know what sort of transparencies we've heard from other companies that have you know taken on a similar approach. Um, obviously, if you're operating on an independent small scale, I think maybe. Uh, you, you can understandably you know the rules are a li- little bit more lax um not to say that they should be um but i'm very curious that a company on the level of an aew who you know is trying to very much do things by the book and, and do things on a professional level well what sort of blood testing sort of policies do they have if you were to if you were to pull a locker room okay say a locker room of 100 uh 100 men and women how many do you think would want to know if I'm wrestling and I'm being bled on by like somebody who could potentially like infect me and then I can infect my loved ones, I would a hundred percent want to know. Okay. Then there's, there's others that I feel would they want that, that, that knowledge of something that could potentially end my career. If the wrong, the wrong result comes back. I think, I think you would be surprised way. I think there would be people that would not want to know much like there are people that I think do not want to know trauma that they have sustained to their head and what what might be um what they might be dealing with and would just rather not know yeah i get i i understand where you're coming from but like that's no excuse you know that's just like you know that's just pretending that's just being ignorant i'm just stating it from a fact of this exists where you know outside of any major company ordering you to it would be completely voluntary for people to do this so very much on the topic of like the memo you know um this is more so the, about the responsibility of the people putting the employing these 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 people and putting on these products and allowing them to bleed on their product. Um, it's up to them, and and I would suggest that they probably want to know everything. Yeah, and it does come down. It's, it is very much a health concern because at least as we can state with like AEW, it is clearly not a, a sponsor backlash that they have towards blood. So it is evidence all, of that. It's like obviously there is not. Um, sponsored discomfort with it so it comes down to you as a company feeling that it is necessary that you make sure you have healthy athletes and that you do not have a situation like this like there is that responsibility that i feel should be mandatory i would say you know at at the very least you're having like yearly check-ins and that goes for you know 
your heart. Like they discovered when MVP had that that heart issue. Like just a lot of these tests. The um the UFC fighter recently who just happened, he got booked at the last minute, went through his pre-scans for the fight, and they found this very rare brain disease that he had that's treatable, but you would have never found that out if not for a company, the level of a UFC that's going to do this intensive testing for you and these screenings. And I think that should be something that, you know, all of these performers should hopefully want to have and that it shouldn't be something that's out of pocket that they have to do. And, you know, the independent scene, unfortunately, it kind of is the Wild West where you you cannot expect independent promoters to take on that level of oversight in with the way the medical system is. Before we proceed, a point of correction here. This comes to us actually from David Bixon's fan. Bix, listening to us live here. Nigel had hep B, not hep C, and it was flagged by TNA, not the WWE. WWE allegedly flagged his shoulder issues. So, yeah, that's that's that it was the shoulder issue that he came into and that, you know, he felt he could perform with. And then that was ultimately that led to him not getting his, his contract. That was 09. And then he goes to TNA. So I stand corrected. TNA evidently was doing some form of testing at, at that point too. Yes. How how widely, you know, spread is it among other major promotions that we talk about on a on a weekly basis? Mm. And you know, especially when I feel like blood use, you know, through AEW is it feels as more prevalent and mainstream as it has ever been in professional wrestling in North America. Yeah, I mean it's uh, something that listen, it's you can have like I think a lot of people, they can look at blood as an enhancement to matches. And again, it's not as though we have this. I mean, you can look at this and this is a pretty bad outcome that, that you could have, but it has not been widespread. You had the issue with uh, with Bob Orton Jr. in mm-hmm. in WWF when he was, uh, you know, working with. Yeah, as, as Alex, Alex brought, in the chat says this discussion well. reminds me of Undertaker Bob Orton. Yes. So, I mean, I, at the same time, it's not like this is like a, like a one in a million chance of, of happening. Like the odds are a lot lower than that. And certainly you you want to see these performers have you know their latitude of where they can go in certain matches and blood there's a plethora of blood in many many different companies and you hope that it's done in as safe of a format as possible but there's no there's no guarantee that you're not you know flirting with potential transmission and just like that's a reality when you're incorporating blood and open wounds in, in a match and doing things in the nature that they are so maybe to get back to you know dark side of the ring i would suggest that the fact that we're even having this conversation at this level to me at least told me that like i thought it did a good job of you know presenting the issue and presenting equal sides of the issue to to try to explain what could be done about this in the future who is written the wrong so that we could prevent something like this in the future yeah i i feel there were a lot of different avenues this episode could go um from you know, and separate from the the career retrospective on Abdullah, that's probably a, a performer that a lot of people don't know all the, you know, just the, the all the places that he did do very significant business. There's also the like the dark side theme to it of, yes, there was the Devin Nicholson chapter. There's also the fact that this guy made incredible money and is left penniless at, at the end of it. And he is in financial ruin. And flat out states on this episode. And I'm sure that that was part of his motivating. Like this is someone that very much protected his character. And in an episode like this, I think his side of it was getting his story out there and looking for some kind of lifeline because he is left with no money. And that part was not explored um, about, you know, his, 
his situation and where all of his money went. He blames it on not being educated, but it's a, uh, like it's it's another very sad story like you have this guy he just did an interview on uh bradshaw and jerry briscoe's podcast and he's like he's saying it somewhat in jest but i don't think it's completely a joke the idea of him once he gets a hip replacement mind you he's 82 years old that he could wrestle another match or, or something like that like it's insanity when, when you hear about this but this is somebody that is you pretty much got a picture of an individual that is destitute yeah yeah and like the moment he gets any money in his checkbook or, or, or bank account, like how how much of it has to go to this de- uh, lawsuit or, or Devin Nicholson? Well, yeah. that's it's one of the things about the these suits. It's like the judgment. It's like it's ultimately on you to collect. And it's you know it's been how many years since this judgment was was read, and he hasn't paid a penny. I I would not imagine Devin Nicholson is holding his breath that he's ever going to see any of this money. Yeah, hard to get $2 million out of somebody with no none. Um, anyone else that stood out to you? I, I thought that like Hugo Savinovich was very interesting. You could definitely do multiple episodes, I think, on Puerto Rico uh, itself. They have done the Brody episode. Like which a was, lot of crazy shit happened. Um, there was. Rico. And of the footage that's out there. I mean, it's it's certainly like they wanted to get across like this man as this monster and the bloodbath that he was involved with. And they certainly had the the footage to navigate and tell that story. And also, it was very, very small. But the impact he had in Japan, where he was a a massive foreign star. Uh, for for all Japan and crossing over very much like Bob Sapp did a generation later. But, um, you know, just the stuff they had here with the celebrity crossovers, um, uh, an album that he cut that they had a sample of, Amazing. commercials he appeared in, and and all of this woven like he always stayed in character. Yeah. Um. So recently, like, you know, I, I had um you guys, I had Braden, I had Davey and Mouth over and a bunch of us in the backyard and we just started playing like wrestlers albums from Japan and we were all listening to like the Terry Funk album. And it just, I just love the idea that like, you know, wrestler stardom in professional wrestling in Japan comes with a record deal and that they're just heading albums out to anybody with a name. Kamala. And, Kamala was a great singer. I, James I, I, I mean, it's, it's just, it's amazing to me. Like here we, we kind of feel, at least I feel like, you know, oh, recording an album is like something you have to like completely change your career for. And you got to put years and years into, it's just like, but um, <laughs> like, it's awesome. It's awesome that there's a, a, a an Abdullah the Butcher album that I might be able to find on Spotify. As we, uh, as we uh, wind down here, when you think of like Abdullah the Butcher, I think certainly based on your age, you're going to have different um, thoughts on him. But I mean, like the guy's 82 years old. It's like he is, he is getting up there. And I'm just wondering how much of his, you know, when his day comes, how much is he going to be remembered for the Devin Nicholson stuff, which, you know, both of them in this episode are sort of stating they neither wants to talk about this anymore um, but for many people, it's going to be the most accessible information about Larry Shreve, Abdullah the Butcher. And and mm-hmm. I do feel like it's like uh, like my point was, I if you had done a whole 44 minute episode on Abdullah the Butcher and did not touch on the Devin Nicholson stuff. I think it's a major gap that of yeah. the last 10 years has been a very significant part. And Hugo Sabinovich even bringing up like all the guys he bled with. I mean, and Hugo being around him so much like it's. I'm sure. And he, be- and he said he's tested negative. And, and yeah. as far as we know, others have as well. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I guess it's it's just a roundabout way of, of asking sort of the Abdullah the Butcher legacy. I think it's it's certainly one that it can be many different directions, but this one, you know, the the Devin Nicholson stuff, it's it's going to be a prominent portion of it. Well, yeah, like considering that, I think um, at this point, maybe like some of the highlights of his professional wrestling career have kind of been like um, um, outside of WWE, too. So it's not like you have like of that generation of fans that were not spoon fed sort of who are the legends of this business that get that DVD treatment. I mean, he went into their Hall of Fame, but he's not one of the celebrated WWE figures that are sort of going to. Yeah. give the more in-depth glossy story the, you know that footage is 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 not replayed the way you know a hulk hogan or even like i don't know iron cheek you know their careers might be um throughout present day professional wrestling and i think even a lot of the contemporaries that you know um are that he wrestled are either not around or even people that he was influenced by um aren't aren't necessarily like speaking about him in the same way um you know, which is why I think like having McFoley on this episode w- was so interesting. Uh, and, and you know, John Moxley with using the fork tonight, I also do wonder if there's like a direct con- connection to this episode airing this week. Um, but I I would say like as far as his legacy goes, it I predict it, it would be very much like the content of this particular documentary, John. Um, you know, whenever the time comes, I imagine you would get a very similar. Like overview of his entire life coupled with maybe a good chunk on that on, on the Devin Nicholson stuff. Yeah. My last thought on this episode is that like overall, like I felt that they, they dedicated a lot of time to the, the whole blood issue and Devin Nicholson. I did feel like, especially that portion, it was lacking that, um, that sort of voice of a neutral party, like a reporter, somebody covering it that I think, could have added a whole lot more to it. Someone like a Greg Oliver, um, mm. a Brian Solomon who wrote the book on the Sheik, and and I think has like a really good understanding of Abdullah's career and the present. And rather than a Mick Foley, who all due respect to Mick Foley, it just felt like he felt uncomfortable talking about this stuff. And I just he was feel a friend. Like he was a, a friend. Fr- he was a friend, uh, but also someone that I, I think is like it was kind of similar as like. Yeah, it's like Mick Foley's been on a lot of these episodes and it feels like they just balked a lot of these topics around Mick Foley. And on the surface, it's you think of Abdullah the Butcher and Chamber of Horrors comes to mind. And yeah, Mick Foley would be great to talk about that. Um, And he's Mm -hmm. someone that like idolized Abdullah the Butcher. Like there's a place for that. But I think in that specific chapter, I would have liked, you know, somebody that was like on the ground covering this case and understands who these individuals are and can kind of cut through the the wrestling bullshit and get to... The, the real ass- matter. So I'm assuming, like, I, I, are you surprised Dave didn't um, make an appearance in this, considering he was interviewed for the series? Yeah, I mean, he he could have been one as well. Um, just just somebody that that can get through. Like, inevitably, when you're talking about Abdullah and Devin, it's like these guys are are characters, and even in this situation, mm-hmm. like, you want to have someone that can at least navigate through that portion of it and it's not just a back and forth he said he said and right. you know the, the facts of the case that you can just have from sort of a neutral observer i think when dark side gets into these types of like legal matters and such i think it really helps when they have that kind of interview subject which might be kind of hard to come by you know when you're asking somebody to weigh in on like you, you just want the straight facts like yeah. this is what 
Yeah, I mean, Greg Oliver yeah, would have been my pick. He wrote like a very good review of this episode on on the Slam site. Like he he would have been one. And it's Toronto based too, where they do a lot of this shooting. Well, obviously not to spoil the the, the uh, Greg's review, which which people should go check out. But what, what were sort of some of his overall thoughts? Did he? I mean, just the fact that it was like it was an incomplete documentary and just elements. In what sense? Uh, more so the, the like the the, the wide sp- like the big jumps in his career, which again right. they. It's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. If they spent so much time on his career, you'd fill up those 44 minutes. And if the Devin Nicholson stuff got five minutes, mm. it would have been much worse. And people yep. would have been up in arms about, you know, stuff that was left out. So I think everyone's understanding of like, especially a character that you could you could clearly do a whole lot more on an, an Abdul Butcher. This show is called Dark Side of the Ring. You know, if anything, the whole first half of it, talking about his legacy, it was just to set up the yeah. final portion to tell you why this this yeah. is a story we care about but he yeah. he also had critiques of you know the the handling of the the devin nicholson and abdullah stuff but i, I think yeah. a lot of people that were um maybe turned off by devin nicholson especially the clip off the top where they're they're kind of just showing the clip of him you know hoping abdullah has a miserable death or something like that 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 felt very sensational at the mm-hmm. start of it and yeah. i think the fact that they did balance it out by including the the texas incident i think that it, had that been omitted i think you would have had you know a, a rightful cause for people to be upset with that chapter yeah i think even without it like he comes across like to some people like a guy you know like picking on a broke you know 80 something year old um, but again, it also depends how you might where you might stand on on I don't know um, feeling sympathy for him in 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 that particular issue of, of him getting bladed. Uh, for me, like my takeaway is just like I think this provides like a good reason to look closer at the role of blood in professional wrestling. I think it belongs in professional wrestling, but I also think it should be used as safely as possible with every precaution taken, especially if you're operating at the most professional level like a WWE or AEW is, you know, in WWE, they, they're outright banning it. And I don't blame them for it one bit. AEW is choosing to embrace it. Now, what steps are they taking to make sure that it's, it's being used responsibly? Why don't you just come out and say it, that it's a further testament to the safeness that the safety that was incorporated by Yoshihiko and Speedball Mike Bailey by using packets of ketchup in the absence of real blood. No, I think that's the future, really. We should all be advancing the ketchup at some point. Okay. So there you have it. That is the episode. Uh, Next week is Bam Bam Bigelow. So they've uh, juggled the schedule up. Uh, This Bash at the Beach episode keeps getting pushed back. So next week it's Bam Bam Bigelow, then Bash at the Beach, and they conclude with Marty Jannetty. That we think. You know, they might, that we they might think. I mean, back. this Bash at the Beach, maybe at this point, it's going to be the season finale. I, I don't know what uh, holding up Bash at the Beach, which is, um, I don't know. Like, could be I, editing, too. Like, we know I'm they sure edit. it is edit. Like, we've heard from, from Evan yeah. before where it's like, man, we're, we've only edited X mm-hmm. amount of the episodes and we're already on the air. I'm, I'm sure, you know, there's, there's stuff they run into. I wouldn't think it's like subject matter as much as it probably is just uh, the editing process or who knows. It, it, could, it could be a laundry list of issues but that'll be an interesting one to see and i'm hoping that one is not as heavy as some of these subjects have been but uh, who knows what they'll uncover from bash at the beach 2000 if it is russo and bischoff screaming at each other for two hours um or for an hour um i don't know if i'll make it through i can see why the editing would take so long then well 
we will uh more to uh to look forward to all right thanks everyone for tuning in for the double header tonight and, and thank you for the people for who who have left feedback over the past week about uh these you know dark side of the ring discussions you know a lot of people are are, are watching or at least you know care about us talking about them so we'll keep doing them throughout the rest of the season that's right so we have uh, three more episodes to go uh way and i will be dropping rewind away on thursday here on the cafe looking at awa super clash 1985 with um a bit of blood on, on, on that episode. Three and a half hours at Comiskey Parkway. I'm trying not to think about it, John. Oh, it probably t- it took you so long to watch. You must be so happy that you can go to bed after this and yeah. chat about Comiskey Park. It should tomorrow. be a fun review tomorrow. The Post Wrestling Cafe, uh, you guys will find it in your boxes uh, sometime Thursday evening. Yeah. All right. Good night, everyone. Thanks for tuning in.